We're going to be learning in Chidush Rabbeinu Chaim Alevi, the second piece in Hochos Gneva. This is Perak Gimel Halacha Beis. And this is a short and somewhat technical piece where Rab Chaim explains a halacha of Kamle Bidraba Minei, which means that in halacha we don't give two punishments. So if a person does one action or at the same time they would be obligated in the death penalty and to pay, or they would be obligated to get lashes as well as pay. So they get the worse punishment, but then they don't get the the lesser punishment of payment. So Rab Chaim is going to discuss one of the classic cases, which is a thief that steals money on Shabbos. So since he violates Shabbos, which is death penalty, and he steals money, so he does not have to repay the money. But the exact details of this case are complicated. The Gemara discusses it in a few places, and Rab Chaim is going to try to figure out how the Rambam's ruling and his presentation of this halacha fits in with the various Gemaras. The Rambam writes, Oshagonav kis b'Shabbos v'hoye migararo ad if a thief steals a wallet on Shabbos and then pulls it out of the reshus of the owner, the victim, so it left a reshus hayachid, a private domain, and he pushed it into a public domain. So he violated the prohibition of carrying on Shabbos and then he lost this wallet. So now he stole a wallet as well as violated Shabbos. He's exempt from paying because the prohibition of violating Shabbos, which involves the death penalty, comes at the same time as he stole. So since he gets the death penalty at that moment, he's not going to have to repay what he stole. So the point of this halacha is that the Rambam is trying to find a case where the theft, so the moment that the thief takes ownership of this possession, occurs at the exact moment of the violation of Shabbos. Because if the theft happens a moment earlier, so then it's not included in Kamle Bidrabamine. So for example, the Rambam himself says, if the thief would pick up the wallet in the owner's house, so it's still in a private domain, there's no violation of Shabbos, and the thief picks it up to steal it, so at that moment he acquires it, and then he walks it out to the Rishos Harabim, to the public domain, so at that moment he violates Shabbos, but since there's a few minutes between when he acquired the wallet versus when he violated Shabbos, so in that case he would have to pay what he stole. So the only case is going to be when the theft occurs at the exact moment of the violation of Shabbos, so that's this case where the thief is pushing the wallet out from the Rishos Hayachi to the Rishos Harabim, him, so he doesn't acquire it through pushing it until it goes into the Rishus HaRabim. So by taking it to a new domain, he acquires it. And at that exact moment, he also violates Shabbos. So that's why in this case, means that he gets the death penalty, but he does not have to pay. Now, Rab Chaim says that they ask on this Rambam from the Gemara in Shabbos, Tzadi Aleph, Amid Beis, the Gemara there is dealing with the issue of whether Eged Klish may Eged. If a vessel combines different objects in it, whether they're all considered combined or not. So the Gemara asks on the view that they are all combined from this case. If someone steals a wallet and pushes it out on Shabbos, so they're exempt, they don't have to pay back because they violated Shabbos at the moment that they took ownership of it. So the Gemara asks, 
If you hold that everything in the vessel is considered combined together, so then according to that perspective, the theft actually preceded the violation of Shabbos. Because as soon as some of the money goes over the line into the Rosh Hashanah, the thief already acquires it. But the violation of Shabbos doesn't happen until the entire wallet goes over the line, because since all the money is considered connected together within the wallet, so he doesn't violate the prohibition of Shabbos by pushing some of the coins over until all of the coins in the wallet go over the line into the Rosh Hashanah. So now there is still a break between the theft and the violation of Shabbos. The theft happens when even some of the coins go over the line, but the violation of Shabbos doesn't happen until a few seconds later when the whole wallet goes over. So the Gemara answers, according to that perspective, the case of the Brisa is the Apke Derech Shulav, where he pushed the wallet over the line into the Rosh Hashanah backwards. So the wallet did not go in in a way where someone could take the money out. It went in backwards so no one can get to the money until the whole wallet goes out. So then the theft as well as the violation of Shabbos do happen at the same moment because the theft did not happen a few seconds earlier since someone could not get into the wallet until the whole thing went into the Rosh Hashanah. Now the Rambam in the 12th chapter of Hilchah Shabbos rules according to this view that Eged Klish may Eged. Things inside the vessel are all considered connected. So according to the Gemara, we have to explain this case of the Brisa, the halacha that the Rambam records here, that it's only talking about where the wallet went over into the Rosh Hashanah backwards. But if the wallet would go in frontwards, so then in fact the person would have to pay for the money because the violation of Shabbos only happens a few seconds after the theft. So there is no more exemption to pay. So why didn't the Rambam in this halacha clarify that the whole case is limited only when the wallet went over the line backwards, not frontwards, which is the normal way to push a wallet over. So the Rambam should have been clear about this limitation, which is explicit in the Gemara. Why does he just rule in a blanket way that no matter what, the thief does not have to pay, which sounds like even if the wallet goes over the line frontwards, the thief still does not have to pay. That seems to go against the Gemara. So basically the Rambam is ruling two things that don't seem to hold together. He rules Eged Klishmei Eged, that everything in the vessel is connected, but then he also rules that in the case where the thief pushes a wallet over into the Rosh Hashanah on Shabbos, he's exempt from paying in all cases. So Rab Chaim answers that in fact this case is even more complicated because it depends on yet another factor. Tosvos in Baba Basra Pei Hei holds Meshicha Bekelev Shel Mocher Mahanya. If someone does Meshicha pulling, which is a way of acquiring things, in the vessels of the seller. So they pull the vessel of the seller with the object that they're intending to acquire inside of it. So according to Tosvos, that does acquire the object. Now, Rab Chaim proves that this Gemara in Shabbos must agree with Tosvos that the buyer does acquire the object in that case. Because the Gemara in Babasra Ayin Hamad Beis says that in order to acquire through pulling Meshicha, you need to pull the entire object. Now, in this case, the wallet belongs to the seller, which is the victim of the theft, and the buyer is trying to acquire the coins inside of it. And the Gemara in Shabbos assumes that even by pushing a part of the wallet over the line into the Rosh Hashanah, the buyer, meaning the thief, acquires the coins inside of it, even though he does not own the wallet. So this is a case where the object is inside the 
vessel of the seller and the buyer is pulling the vessel and acquires the object inside of it. So this Gemara in Shabbos that assumes that even without acquiring the wallet, the thief can still acquire the coins inside must be according to the view that if the Konet pulls the vessel of the mocher with an object inside, he does acquire it. So now Rab Chaim adds that there's a major limitation to this halacha, which is that according to Rab Chaim, the whole halacha, the only time a konet can acquire an object by pulling the vessel of the mocher is only if he intends to acquire that larger vessel as well. But otherwise, it's not going to work. And Rab Chaim gets there logically. Because if the konet would just move around an object within this vessel, so he doesn't do mashicha on the actual vessel, he just moves the smaller object around within the vessel itself while the vessel stays stationary. So that certainly would not work. That's not considered a mashicha. That's just like someone moved something around within the owner's domain. So if the mocher has a chatzer, he has an area that's his, and the kona just moves something around within there, he's not going to acquire it. So likewise, moving around an object within the mocher's vessel, he's not going to acquire it. So the only way this could work is if he pulls the vessel with the intention of acquiring the vessel as well. So then, since he's acquiring the larger vessel through that Meshicha and acquiring the larger vessel, the smaller vessel inside of it comes along with it as well. But to acquire the smaller object inside without acquiring the larger vessel that he's pulling, that is not going to work because that's the equivalent of just moving an object around within the mocher's rishos. So now this is a key limitation. This whole halacha only applies when the kona is acquiring the larger vessel as well as the smaller vessel inside. But if he's only trying to acquire the smaller vessel inside, not the larger vessel, so then that's not going to work. So now, says Rab Chaim, we have a big question on the Gemara and Shabbos, because the case there is where he has not acquired the wallet. He's only acquiring the coins inside the wallet. So how can that possibly work? If he hasn't acquired the wallet, so according to Rab Chaim, there's no way to acquire the coins inside by pushing the wallet. So Rab Chaim answers that in fact the Gemara in Ksubis Lamed Aleph also discusses this case and it raises the issue that you don't acquire something by pushing it from the Rishus HaYachid into the Rishus HaRabim. So how can we even say in this case that there's a theft at that moment? So the Gemara gives two answers. One is that there is a middle area which is considered a Rishus HaRabim with regards to Shabbos but not with regards to acquiring. So it's a place where a person does acquire things even though they also violate the prohibition of carrying on Shabbos. So there is this middle kind of category, which is neither a traditional Rishos HaRabim nor a regular Rishos HaYachid. Then Rav Ashi gives another solution, which is that the thief put his hand out as he got to the Rishos HaRabim. So the object did not go onto the floor of the Rishos HaRabim, it went into his hand. So he violates Shabbos because it went into the space of the Rishus HaRabim, but he does acquire it because the object is in his hand. So now says Rab Chaim, that must be the case of the Gemara in Shabbos, that it follows the view of Rav Ashi, that this case is talking about where the object went into his hand, not on the floor of the Rishus HaRabim. So that's why he's able to acquire the coins even without acquiring the wallet, because even if he doesn't own the wallet, but the coins that are in his hand are in his domain and he acquires them. 
So that's how the Gemara in Shabbos can assume that the thief is able to acquire the coins even without acquiring the wallet. So now it turns out that the whole discussion in Shabbos, which limits this whole case only when the wallet goes out backwards, not frontwards, because then the thief acquires the coins before he violates Shabbos, that's only according to this view that the cases where the wallet went into his hand. So there it's possible to acquire the coins without acquiring the wallet. But if he did a Kenyan Meshicha, so he pulled the wallet into the Rosh Hashanah so even the Gemara and Shabbos would agree that no matter what, the thief is exempt from paying because he can only acquire the coins after he acquires the wallet. So the violation of Shabbos and the theft all happens at the same time. So now this explains why the Rambam ignores that whole discussion in the Gemara and Shabbos and the whole issue of Eged Klish Mei Eged in this Halacha because the Rambam rules according to Ravina in the Gemara and Ksubis and he disagrees with the whole premise of the question there. The Gemara asked that you cannot acquire in Rosh Hashanah So the thief pulling something from the Rosh Hashanah to the Rosh Hashanah can't acquire it. Ravina disagrees with that whole view and he says that a person can acquire in the Rosh Hashanah. So according to Ravina, the case of the Brisa is very simple. It's talking about a thief who pulls the wallet from the Rosh Hashanah where he stole it and without picking it up, he pulls it into the Rosh Hashanah and he acquires it at that moment and he also violates Shabbos at that moment. So there's no need to say that he puts it into his hand the way Rav Ashi said it. According to Ravina, the case is very simple where he pulled the wallet over the line into the Rosh Hashanah as we assumed originally. The Rambam follows that view. So since we're not talking about where it went into his hand, so there is no way for the thief to acquire the coins before acquiring the whole wallet. So that's why the Rambam rules as a blanket statement that however the thief pulls the wallet into the Rosh Hashanah, he's exempt from paying and it's irrelevant whether it goes in frontwards or backwards. That was only the Gemara in Shabbos to make sense of the case according to Rav Ashi's way of understanding the Brisa. But according to Ravina, we don't need to say any of that and that's how the Rambam rules. So this explains why the Rambam omitted the whole discussion of the Gemara and Shabbos. But now Rab Chaim asks that this is not going to work as an explanation of that Gemara in Shabbos. Because if the Gemara in Shabbos follows the view of Rab Ashi, that it's talking about where the thief put the object in his hand, so then the answer of the Gemara doesn't work. Because the Gemara answers that it's talking about where the wallet went out backwards, so the thief can't get to the money inside until the whole thing goes into the Rosh Hashanah. And then the Gemara asks, why can't he tear it open? So it answers, Beniska. The case is where there aren't small coins, there are large pieces, so they're still half inside of the Rosh Hashanah. So either of these answers is not going to work, because any object that's in someone's hand, they acquire the part that's in their hand, and the rest of it that's out of their hand is as if it's cut off. That's what the Gemara in Bamitzia Dav Zayin says, that if someone is holding a cloth in their hand, so if they're holding three by three, it's as if the rest of the cloth is cut off, and whatever's in their hand, they acquire. So the same is going to be true in the case of the wallet. Whatever coins or part of the silver is in the thief's hand, he's going to acquire, and the rest he's not. So it doesn't matter that he doesn't have access to the coins, either way he acquires whatever's in his hand. 
So according to Rab Chaim's explanation, the Gemara's answer is not going to work. But says Rab Chaim, this question is anyways a problem with Rab Ashi's explanation. He said that the case of the Brisa is talking about where the thief put the wallet in his hand. So anyways, we have this question. As each part of the wallet goes into the thief's hand, he acquires that part of the wallet, but he doesn't violate Shabbos until the whole thing comes into his hand. And that's even according to the other view that Eged Kli, a vessel combining things, is not considered a real combination. So obviously, according to the view that it is a combination, the person doesn't violate Shabbos until the whole wallet leaves the Rishus HaYachid. But even according to the other view, so the Gemara says that he would explain the Bryce's talking about Ba'ornasei, long stalks. So it's not talking about small little coins. It's talking about long objects. So each object doesn't exit the Rosh until the whole thing exits the Rosh So the Gemara is clear that according to both views, until the whole object leaves the Rosh there is no violation of Shabbos. So if so, we anyways have a problem with Rav Ashi's view, even without Rav Chaim's analysis, because Rav Ashi is saying that when the wallet comes into his hand, he doesn't have to pay, even though at that time he acquires that part of the wallet, and he doesn't violate Shabbos until the whole wallet comes out. So anyways, the violation of Shabbos is occurring a few seconds after the theft. So to answer this, Rab Chaim suggests a total new way of understanding the Gemara. When Rab Ashi says that the case is where the object goes into the hand of the thief, he does not mean that he acquires it because of Yad. Kinyan Yad means that anything in a person's hand they acquire. That's not what Rav Ashi is talking about. He's referring to Hagba that one of the ways of acquiring, like pulling, is lifting. So if someone lifts something up in order to acquire it, they acquire it. So that's what Ravashi means. Since he put it on his hand, so he lifted it up, that's how he acquired it. Now, Hagba requires the entire object like Meshicha. It's different from Kinyan Yad, where even a part of the object can be acquired. So this whole idea that anything that's in a person's hand they acquire, even if it's not the whole object, is limited to Kinyan Yad. But if we're talking about the other forms of acquiring, of pulling or lifting, so there it needs to be the entire object in order to acquire it. So if Rav Ashi is referring to Hagba, so that makes sense, until the person lifts the entire wallet, they don't own any part of it. So that's why the thief doesn't have to pay, because at the moment that he acquired it, when he lifted the entire wallet, that's the moment when he also violated Shabbos. So there is no earlier moment when he acquired a part of the wallet, but not the whole thing. So that's Rab Chaim's explanation for the Gemara. But then he points out that Rashi does say explicitly that according to Rav Ashi, it's a Kenyan Yad. The way the thief acquires the wallet is because it's in his hand. So now we're back to the problem. So says Rav Chaim very brilliantly that even though it's clear that Rashi does hold the Kenyan of the hand is because of Kenyan Yad, but the Rambam is going to disagree with him because there's another debate between Rashi and the Rambam, and that is how high does a person need to lift something in order to acquire it? 
Rashi says that Hagba needs to be at least three Tfachim high. So less than three Tfachim does not acquire through Hagba. It must be three Tfachim in the air. Now the Gemara explicitly says that he put his hand under three Tfachim. So according to Rashi, the Gemara is saying that this is not a Kenyan of Hagba. It's less than three Tfachim. So the Kenyan is Kenyan Yad. But the Rambam never says that Hagba needs to be three Tfachim. So according to the Rambam, even less than that could acquire through Hagba. So the Rambam could read this Gemara, even though his hand is under three Tfachim, it still works through Hagba. So the Rambam Lishitaso is going to be able to make sense of all these Gemaras. The Gemara in Shabbos is following the view of Rav Ashi that the cases where the thief put the object in his hand, and according to the Rambam, that works through Hagba. So that's when the Gemara has a question that why doesn't he acquire whatever coins go into his hand even before he acquires the whole wallet, which is also when he violates Shabbos. So he should have to pay. So the Gemara answers because since the wallet is backwards, he can't get to the coins until he gets the whole wallet in his hand. But none of this has any relevance for the Rambam because he follows the view of Ravina that even pulling a wallet from the Rishus HaYachid into the Rishus HaRabim acquires it. So it's not talking about where the wallet goes into his hand at all. It stays on the ground. So in all cases, he doesn't acquire any coins until the whole wallet comes out. So that's why the Rambam just rules simply that in all cases, the thief does not have to pay because of Kamle Bidrabamine at the same moment that he stole, he also violated Shabbos. So this is Rab Chaim's approach to explain this question on the Rambam, why he omitted the Gemara's discussion in Shabbos. And the answer is based on how the Rambam put together these Gemaras. So he realized that that Gemara does not apply according to the view of Ravina, who he rules according to. So that's why he omitted that Gemara. Now in this piece, Rab Chaim makes a few interesting comments. First, he suggests that the whole concept of doing Meshicha in the vessel of the Mocher only applies when the person is acquiring that larger vessel as well, not when they're only trying to acquire the smaller vessel. Second, Rab Chaim also says that a Kenyan Yad cuts off everything that's not in the hand. So it acquires anything in the person's hand and everything else is considered separate from the stuff in there. And third, Rab Chaim says that there's a debate between Rashi and the Rambam whether Kenyan Hagba requires a minimum of three Tfachim or not. Now, there's some questions on Rab Chaim's analysis. The Chazon Ish in his marginal comments, as well as Diane Fisher quoted in the back of the Or Olam. So they ask on the last step of Rab Chaim, where he says that if the thief puts the object in his hand, it works according to the Rambam through Kenyan Hagba, not Kenyan Yad. So they both ask, well, what happened to the Kenyan Yad? According to Rab Chaim, the Kenyan Hagba doesn't happen until the whole wallet is lifted up, but why doesn't the Kenyan Yad kick in earlier as soon as some of the wallet comes into his hand? So that's their question. Rav Shach in the Avi Ezri asks, why according to Rab Chaim should Hagba work in the vessel of the Mocher? Rab Chaim said that Meshicha in the Mocher's vessel without acquiring the larger outer vessel doesn't work. So why should Hagba be any different? Why, when the thief puts the wallet in his hand, does he acquire the coins inside even before he acquires the whole wallet? It seems to be the same case that he's doing Hagba on an object in the Mocher's vessel without acquiring the outer vessel. 
So why, according to Rab Chaim, does that work? And then there's another point that a few people make. In the back of the Or Olam edition, they quote that Rav Shach and Avi Ezri, as well as Rav Cheskel Abramski, as well as Dayan Fisher. So they all point out that Rab Chaim in this piece is basing himself on Tosvos' position that Meshicha Bekeil of Shalmocher works. So based on that, Rab Chaim explains why if the thief pulls the wallet, even if he doesn't acquire the wallet, he acquires the coins inside. But then Rab Chaim asks on that, that he holds Tosos' view only applies when the buyer is intending to acquire the vessel, the larger vessel that he's pulling. And in this case, that's not what's happening. So to answer that, he ties in the debate in the Gemara and Ksubis, whether the wallet goes into the hand of the thief or onto the ground. So that's how Rab Chaim sets up the whole framework of this piece. Now they point out that there seems to be a simpler setup for this because Rab Chaim is explaining the Rambam and the Rambam himself, according to the Magid Mishnah in Hilchos Mechira Dalit Hay, disagrees with Tosvos and he holds that Meshicha Bekelev Shalmocher does not work. So within the Rambam, there seems to be a simpler way to get to the point that Rab Chaim is trying to make that since the Rambam holds pulling the vessel of the Mocher does not work to acquire the object inside. So how can the Gemara say that when the thief pulls the wallet, he acquires the coins inside? So that very simply brings us to the point of Rab Chaim's question. And the answer could be, again, like Rab Chaim said, that this depends on the issue in the Gemara and Ksubis, whether the wallet goes into his hand or not. So this seems to just be a simpler way to get to the same idea within the Rambam, who, according to the Magid Mishnah, disagrees with Tosvos to begin with and holds that Meshicha in the Kale of Shalmochar is not going to work. So we don't need to go through Tosos' opinion and then Rab Chaim's limitation. On the other hand, it could be Rab Chaim wanted to work into this piece that even according to Tosos, there's a problem based on his limitation of Tosos' view.